All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 307 Podcast. The first thing I want to do on today's podcast is I want to give a shout-out to Annie. Dolan. Yeah. She is on fire, man. Annie is on fire. I mean, she has just launched off on her journey uh, to become better become more complete in every aspect of her life. She started with the Proving Grounds, which I think, I don't know how Annie felt coming into the Proving Ground, but I know, I remember her being a little quiet. I don't think she quite knew or or felt like she was ready for it. Uh, Maybe, I don't know. I, I didn't ask her. But she ended up just thriving at the Proving Ground which was the last mission that we did at the Proving Ground. That was what that was during the spring, right? Mm-hmm. April. That was a was really April. good class. Was that four or five? That was four, right? Mm-hmm. That was a really good evolution of the Proving Grounds, I thought. Yeah. It just it just keeps getting better as we kind of tweak the curriculum and the schedule and and all that. So we're re- we've really gotten that course of instruction honed in. So she started out with that, and then I think I saw she started doing uh, 75 Hard, Andy's program, and she's hired a running coach. She just finished her first half marathon. Um, She is coming to the Guardian Directive, which is a two-day course that we're putting on in November, that is going to be, good gosh, it's hard to even describe what the Guardian Directive is. The first time we've done a training block like this. It is a like a course where it's going to involve physical team PT, teamwork, all that stuff. But we're, we're doing uh, all kinds of different shooting evolutions out on the range. We're, we've partnered with Edgar and... Um, I mean, we're doing daytime shoots. We're doing, we've got stages set up, shooting and moving. We've got night shoots on nods and uh, IR lasers and thermals. Uh, We're going to do some basic uh, close quarters combat from a defensive posture. Um, We've got all kinds of stuff. So, Annie Rogered up for that. And then we had an open spot for the coming up basic course this coming up team in October. And because somebody had to move, I put it out on Patreon to our Patreon members to see if anybody wanted access to fill that team member position. Like literally 25 seconds after I posted, Annie's like, I want that. I want that spot. I'm like, man, she is on fire. Mm-hmm. She is dedicated. She's hungry. She wants to freaking train, man. And it's been sustained. You know, a lot of people get that way and will be that way for a couple months, but this has been going on since the beginning of the year. So now, what, six or eight months of that. So that's pretty, that's that's it, notable. It's inspiring to me yeah. to see somebody that is that hungry to train. Like, yeah, there's an opportunity to train. I'm not going to ask a bunch of questions. Yep, sign me up. I know you guys are going to put on... She trusts us enough to put on a good training block and that's going to challenge her. Yeah, sign me up. I don't know. It's inspiring to me. You know, 
there just aren't a lot of people that actually want to train. I, I, I thought I thought to myself yesterday, I was actually making a post because, you know, I think one of, if not my biggest gift or the thing that I have to offer to you guys that actually want to train is building a solid team. I think that's like the one thing that I have to offer of how I can uh, manipulate and talk and chastise and build up and all in these specific spots and just see little things that need to happen in order for this team to these bunch of individuals to become a single organism. And, you know, it's so rewarding when I see it happen. It's, it's, it, I love it. It doesn't always happen. Eight out of ten times it happens. Sometimes you get a team of people that are just incompatible, and it just they just don't get it. That, that happens sometimes, right? That's okay. It's frustrating to me, but when it happens, I love it. Well, the problem is you, you have, in order to get people to understand what a real team looks like, you have have to do it the real way. You have to go and put yourself in an, in a harsh environment, uh, and you have to put yourself in a situation where you have to learn and then implement immediately. Uh, and you have to put yourself in a place where all the components of teamwork, such as leadership, communication, uh, attitude. Uh, command structure, all those things are absolutely necessary and they actually have to happen or or the mission's not going to get done. But there's not a lot of people that want to actually train. And I was thinking, man, you know what? I could have made a lot more money and I could have saved thousands of hours of my time if I would have just hosted a, ma- uh, a master class in a hotel conference room. Or even virtual. Down in uh, Atlanta, like Lewis Howes does. Um, <laughs> if I would have just hosted a master class, or if I would have just put on some speaking engagement and told a bunch of people a bunch of cool stories. Uh, yeah, the, the people would have walked away happy. I wouldn't have had to yell at them for showing up unprepared. They would have felt all warm and fuzzy inside. But none of that freaking crap matters, man. It, it does not work. You have to do it the real way. So why didn't I do it the other way? Well, I couldn't sleep at night. I do not know how these people that put on these stinking, canned, stupid events I don't know how they do that and charge people astronomical prices. People pay it, and they do their little thing, their little master class, their little speaking engagement, their little hoo-yah thing, and they all walk away all freaking happy and warm and fuzzy. And I I couldn't sleep at night if I was selling that type of freaking snake oil, man. You know, snake oil runs really thin when the going gets tough. When, when it gets real, that all that snake oil crap, it, it starts to run really thin, and you end up failing. I, I, I don't know how people do it and rest at night. 
It is is pathetic. Why am I telling you this? Look here, man. Whoever you have chosen to learn from in life, whoever you have chosen to be your mentor, we all have people that we look up to. Don't lie to yourself about the methods that they are using to train you, all right? If it feels good and and you feel all warm and fuzzy about it and and you don't you don't have this nagging kind of anxiety or discomfort that revolves around whatever it is whatever whatever it is you're going to whatever training you're going to whoever you're looking up to to learn from it's fake man it's just so much fake crap out there dude i, I don't know it you know it is what it is but when i see people like annie i mean without a doubt I mean, I, I guarantee you, Annie's like, man, the basic course, I signed up with two weeks' notice. I didn't even know I was going to have this opportunity, but I rogered up for it anyways. I'm sure she's feeling some little bit of anxiety about it because she didn't have all this time to prepare. But that's yeah. perfect. That's perfect. So the moral of the story is don't be a freaking turd and don't don't think that somebody like Lewis freaking Howes is going to impart any amount of wisdom to you. These are snake oil salesmen. Plenty, it's been happening since the beginning of time. Go and train with somebody. It doesn't have to be me or my team. Go and train with somebody who has legitimate, credible uh, a, a resume and that has is offering something that makes you a little uncomfortable. You want to explain how, how people are supposed to find that person? Tell us, Chili. No, you're the what one. What do you who, think? You're the one who said it. I want to hear I want to hear. I want to well, hear you back it up. Well, I mean, what if someone thinks Lewis Howes is that person? So I, I, you made a claim, so I'm asking you to, uh, to differentiate. Okay. You, you have got... I'm not getting on you. The, the way that you find... You, you can look at a person's... When you look at a person's, if you want to call it accomplishments, mm -hmm. what they have done in life, if those things don't line up, like if if you look at a person and you're like I'm I'm a little confused about like how this person got into this position whether it's financially physically uh the claims that they make about their ability like you've got to have solid foundational experiences that make sense in that person's past okay a resume You've got to have a resume that that like makes sense. Like, um, I I look I I do this. I so I have one friend that's a really big entrepreneur. His name is Jesse Itzler. If you want to look at somebody for entrepreneur advice, you can look at Jesse's resume of what he the companies that he's built, how he built them, he sold them. 
you can look back and you can say, okay, this guy started from nothing and it you can see the progress. Like the companies that he created are real. They're legitimate. They, they're tangible they things. They don't sell NFTs. That's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> but then you look at these other cats and there's so many of them that you're like, hold on a minute. What? No, like what have you actually done to, if you're looking for advice on how to be successful in business or financially successful, Okay, I, I understand you have a private jet and, you, you know, you, you obviously your lifestyle portrays that you have been financially successful. But, like, hold on a minute. It doesn't make any sense how you got to there. Yeah, you sold NFTs or some freaking weird, weird just wazoo crap, man. Okay? That's, what, that's why I, I bring up poor old Lewis, man. I'm like, no, man. Like you played, you played arena football, and and then and like no man, this doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. It should make sense. I mean, that's that's the main thing to me is like trust your gut, trust your common sense. If you show up and this person is just some, you haven't hung out with that guy. You you hang out with that guy, you're like. No, what the freaking crap is this, yeah, dude? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not making any judgment. Use your met common him. sense, man. I ain't met him. That's how you find that person. Well, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think that's good to, for you to, you know, say don't trust these these people. Uh, don't train with losers, you know. Um, but you have to. A lot of people. A lot of people do. So there. Ha- so there's a reason that they're doing that. So I think it's also good to explain. Hey, man. Here's how you don't do that. Here's what you look for to not do that. I think another thing too, Chili, is uh, you should also do the same thing. You should doing along the same lines. You should look at the company that those people keep, and and look at okay, who who are they? Who are they in league with? And um and and what are the what what's the resume of those individuals? Who are the company those people keep? Right. Uh, I think that the company that people keep can tell you a lot about an individual. You know? Well, most people just follow those people because everyone else does, and they figure, well, there's this person's got 500,000 followers on Instagram, so surely someone, some of those people have done the research, and he must be yep. the right guy, so I'm going to follow him too. That is a, that's a strange thing about Instagram. Um you know you can I don't know there are these people actually do this they pay to get followers on Instagram because that makes people see them as a credible source mm-hmm. of mentorship or inspiration or advice followers on Instagram get does not mean I'm talking about does not mean anything <laughs> in terms of credibility. I know some of the most credible people on earth that have no following on Instagram. And it confuses the ever living crap out of me. 
Well, all that should tell you is that they're good at getting followers, whether they, whether they bought them or however. I mean, that number just represents that. It doesn't represent anything else. Yeah. So how not to do it? Don't judge a person's credibility based off of their social media following. Do not do that. Okay? Uh, but anyways, I wanted to give a shout-out to Annie right off the bat. Um, what's on you guys' mind today? I mean, Team PT this morning, uh, I will say, uh, yesterday I almost came unglued when Blake suggested that we play tennis. You're very combative. Dude, you used to play tennis all the time. You're very, you're very combative this morning. You know, when you play tennis, you, you play tennis like on a Sunday evening when there's nothing to do and you and your wife are like sitting around the house, you know, it's before or after dinner. There's nothing to do, and you're like, hey, let's go play a game of tennis. That's when you play tennis. Well, you sure was out of breath on the video. You guys go watch the Tennis for Dummies, and you were over there huffing and puffing. You sound like Edgar on I, the shooting range. I was I was huffing and puffing because I was pissed off about having to play tennis. Yeah. I was just surprised that you broke your own rule. So our the way we operate is whoever throws out PT first – that's typically what we go with. And if you want a PT, then be, boy, you better shoot it out there quick. And so Blake stepped up to the plate. I do take issue with there. one word that you said in that, Chris. You said surprised. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be surprised. No, Maybe disappointed. the first so, so, one to send out a PT right. that Chad agrees no, with. No, that's, it, uh, the, that's the caveat. Two, yeah. two points here. Two points here. <laughs> Correct. To, uh, uh, two, two rebuttals to your statement and, and your the, the surprise that you have. First of all... Correct. You have to send out a PT. PT stands for physical training. <laughs> tennis is not PT. Did you guys see, when we did the tennis video, did you see the people that were out playing tennis? Okay. Geriatric. Yes. <laughs> you play tennis when you get so decrepit that you cannot do anything else. And, and then that's when you start playing tennis, okay? I think it's fun. So, first of all, it, yeah, it's okay. I can say, yes, you can think tennis is fun. It's not PT. Okay. Well, neither is shooting. We no. shot for, for Team PT. We no. played basketball for Team PT. Number two. Hey, dude. <laughs> okay. Number two rebuttal we'll here. Get, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Blake sent out a suggestion. If you'll notice, the text he sent ended with a question mark. Okay? That's a question, not a suggestion. So, he sent out a question. Um, well, our the the documentary, Just One Mile, just got ex- accepted to the Rome International Film Festival. Wow! Oh, big time! Uh, um, anyways, uh, yeah, it was a question. You have to, when you send out a PT, first of all, it has to be a PT, and it needs to be a, a, a command. Remember, you, did you see how I followed up the text? I said, be advised, Team PT, CrossFit Rome, 8.30, immediately following the WAD, four-mile time run. No question about that. <laughs> how about that, son? WAD. WAD, that's exactly That's the workout of the day, man. Freaking WAD. I will say I preferred that over the tennis, but yeah. I was surprised that uh, you just didn't give Blake any credit. Well, I didn't break my own rule. I mean, I just get, I think I gave some legitimate Listen, rebuttals to your statement there. Manipulation of the rules and the things. There's always exceptions. And so, um, 
Anyways, I want to I want to hit you guys with something. All all you guys listening, let me tell you right now, if you are going to put on a piece of gear that says three of seven project, you have a freaking standard to uphold, son. And that means when you are out in public, you are going to conduct yourself with some freaking tenacity. Okay? So if you have any gear that says three of seven project, if you show up to the daggone gym or you show up to a race or you show up anywhere and your plans are to sandbag that freaking workout, leave your three of seven project gear at home and wear it on the days when you actually want to put out and uphold a good reputation. Okay? That, uh, uh, I'm about to freaking short circuit here. Okay? What's got you in when a, you put in on, When you put on the, that logo. When you don the gear. It, it is time for you to show up and crush everyone around you. It, it, that, the days that you... Look, when you want to sandbag your workout... Do that on your own time, or at least show up somewhere incognito, okay? That way, nobody's like, man, that joker's wearing that 307 Project gear. I wonder what that is, but man, that joker just freaking just messing around. He ain't even doing nothing. He ain't even broke a sweat. You got a reputation to uphold, okay? Okay? You represent Nike or something when you want to act like that. Yeah. Okay. Does everybody under does that clear to everybody? Did Chili have his three seven gear on today or something? What? Uh-uh. Oh. Well. If you want to Why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep doing this? I'm about to make a short circuit. Over listen here. to me, man. I look at this joker over listen here on the me. assault bike today and hey. he's looking, looking like this. Hey dude, dude, dude. Hey dude, dude, dude. 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 I don't care, dude. Shut up. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm just dude, dude, hey, dude. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there to everybody. Yeah. All right, you got something to say? Say it. If you want a sandbag? Do it on your own time. Hey, dude, ain't doing it at Team PT. I wasn't a sandbagger. I was the no. ra- I was the rabbit today. Yeah, Krista, you always show up strong, and you always give your best effort. These guys right here, these two hey, right dude, here, dude, dude. They they've settled in, yeah. Yeah. they've settled into some comfortable. Uh, oh yeah, I beat you today. Uh, I'm just go- I beat you at CrossFit today. <laughs> yeah, man, you had freaking ten pounds on the bar. I still beat you. <laughs> uh, and, and what's your excuse, Chili? Ask me a question, man. Other than what's my excuse? I I don't have an excuse. I didn't do anything. I, I'm what, happy, what's I, your excuse for not putting out this morning? Wanted to. <laughs> What's going what's going on, man? One of the <laughs> All right. I'm just throwing that out there, man. Y'all juggers gonna have to get right. I don't know what's going on in your heads. I don't know what's going on in your lives, your bodies, your spirits. I don't know. 
But I'm going to have to see some fire out of y'all, all right? What are you basing all of this off of physical performance? No, I'm basing it off of just sheer tenacity, which should show in your physical performance. Okay? So you're basing it off physical performance. What what else have we done today? I mean, I mean, I surely to God, I'm not going to base it off of your ability to t- speak on a podcast performance. One day of <laughs> physical uh, performance, and you've settled into a uh, Dude, conclusion. I've, on I got this? health problems, man. I've been going to see doctor. You know what they told me? I got I got diabetes. I'm serious. Type three. Type three diabetes. Is that even real? <laughs> yeah. I got it. Holy crap. Um, Where do we go from here? Okay. We're- I will say for listeners that, I mean, regardless of personally what's going on in this group here, just that principle of not sandbagging. It, it is tempting. Like if you know, yeah. if you know you have like a long workout or you have something coming up following, it's easy to just to say, hey, I'm going to take it easy on this front end because I want to be able to, you know, maintain here and not give a full effort or I know I have something going on tomorrow. And so just that principle being checking yourself and being aware of your mindset of where your heart is and and pushing yourself to have tenacity and um, just having heart in everything you're doing at every moment. That can, that can be a challenge for some people. So I think... Challenge for me. Yeah, it's easy to, to have moments where you can sandbag, where you can take it easy. Uh, you can pull back, but what you actually need to do is stay present and stay focused on what you're doing and give 100% at every moment of, of what you're doing. So you and, and you know a big reason why that's important? Because you should be the type of person that people watch what you're doing. People watch what you're doing in CrossFit in the gym. You're a CrossFit coach, okay? People watch what you're doing, and it influences them. I know everywhere I go, people watch what I'm doing. They don't even have to know who I am. I'm just some big, bearded, weird-looking cat. They're watching me, okay? Well, and circling back around to what the beginning of the podcast, what you said about Annie, I know she has a relative coming on this basic course, too, and in her relative's application... She mentioned that she's seen what this has done in Annie's life, and that was a motivation for her applying. And so not only, you know, kudos to Annie for what she's doing in her life, but she's impacting other people because people are watching everything she's doing and how it's impacting her and changing her life. So so you're absolutely right. People are watching and being affected by the choices you make. Yes, 100%. You guys hearing this, okay? Y'all hearing this? I'm um, satisfied with how I did okay. today. I'm not. Now, <clears throat> you ain't going to tell me nothing. The, the caveat here, these two are being hard-headed because they don't like what they're hearing right now. You, you understand this is really, really hard for them to hear this right now. Uh, Do you now, not know that I literally could care less what any of you... I, I'm going to go. I'm going to put out the effort I'm going to put out, and it's going to be good, and I don't care what you think about it or Chili or Krista. I don't, I don't care. Well, hey, if you don't think it's good, then don't work out with me. You should start. But I'm putting out the effort. I gave a good effort today, and I'm happy with it. And so, and, and here's the caveat to this. Uh, that, look at them. They don't even know what to do with this. Talk here. I just shut you down, man. Here's You're the talking ca- to somebody else. Here's the, 
What do you say to the fact that people are watching you? I put out a good effort. What was wrong with what I did today? What was wrong with what I did today? I ran a negative split on my timed run. I beat you in the CrossFit workout on the time and the rounds and reps. I feel like you could have done more weight. Well, I told you I don't do heavy weight when it's large volume because <clears throat> I'll get sloppy in my form and I'll hurt my back. Dude, look and at so, me. I'm, I'm a freaking old broke down you're unit. You're four dude. years older than me. You're I, not even old. I'm 14 years older than you. Buds puts 10 years onto your, your life, man. Kids add 15. <laughs> no. Touche. Um, here's the caveat to what we're saying. Putting out your best effort takes honesty with yourself, and it doesn't always look like you winning. Okay, when when me when I destroyed Krista today in the run, but I know she put out her best effort. She was but working. I, be, I beat you in the CrossFit workout, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should have used more weight. I did double unders. You didn't do double unders. Oh crap, man! <laughs> crap on my freaking face. Yeah, you did beat me. Um. So, it doesn't always look like you have to be in the front of the pack just winning all the time. But people are going to see when you're working as hard as you can possibly work, and people are going to see when you're sandbagging it. It's blatantly obvious, unless you're a really good actor, and Chili's a terrible actor. Um, so I, I wasn't trying to act like I was going harder than I was. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up for all the listeners. This morning, okay. You, I de- I were don't you acting like you were going harder, Blake. No. Me neither. Look, when you're in the gym, when you're running, whatever, and you're in public, and you're wearing three seven project gear, you should not be going at a conversational pace. I'll leave it at that. Um, okay. What if that's the best pace for that specific training day? What if you're in a build up to a race and there's a day that doesn't need to be a high heart rate. You got to put on your Nikes. Blast that, that, it out. That's, that's not Team PT. That's not you, you can do that on your own time. Well, you're talking about everybody I like know, at a I'm, race. And what if it's not their Team PT? I wasn't talking about me. I was talking about the audience that's listening that you're... you're He's directing ad, it at, but ad, actually admoni- talking to ad, us. Admonishing, you know. For, I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't subscribe to them, not them easy runs and crap, man. So, so when you've got a big... When you are you doing a big race? Are you ever going to run again? Are you doing a big oh, race? Oh yeah! I signed up for my first race. How about that Pisley six mile bike you did? No, listen. I'm I, making a point here. If, if you got a big race coming up, are you going to the day before? Hey, go don't do be s- disrespectful. <laughs> He's talking to you, man. <laughs> Quit do- looking at your dang phone. We're doing a podcast, not checking freaking emails. You can do that on your own time. You don't have to answer, but. Honestly, uh, because someone's going to, I mean, I, someone that's going to run their first marathon, if you want to go run your fastest race and you and you train as hard as you can the five days prior, every single day, you're not going to run very fast on the day. Like, you should taper and make the days easier. So, is that what you're saying? That you're not going to do that anymore? Like, the day before your next 300-mile bike ride, you're just going to freaking just, just crank it out for two hours workout the day before? Is that what you're going to do? If we have a team PT, I will. Guess what? Guess what? I'm not. I don't. I'm not guessing. Okay. I'm just telling you how it is. All right. Um, hey, go ahead and put your phone down on the table there. We're gonna have you practice some self control here. All right. I want to talk to you guys today. I, I want to try to get, gain some wisdom from you guys. Okay. I look up to all three of you. 
<laughs> I look up to you guys. And I want to try to gain, uh, get some wisdom from y'all, all right? Mm. I was sitting in my deer stand yesterday. Okay? Okay? <laughs> sitting in my deer stand. And uh, one of the things I like most about sitting in my deer stand is not the opportunity to kill an animal. One of the things I like most is it forces me to sit still and do nothing. And I don't have cell phone service in the areas that I hunt, so I can't get pacified on my phone or anything like that. And so I began thinking. Think quite a bit in my stand, and I'm going to tell you guys what I thought about. First of all, I, I pulled up some old photographs of my grandfather that were taken the day before he left this earth. And it was very profound to me as I sat for the first time. This happened, <clears throat> Pops died about a year ago, maybe a little less. I'm probably about that. Uh, and it was very profound to me as I realized I stopped, I, I was stopping and for the first time in a year, I was actually looking at those photographs. Very odd. And I realized that those photographs that Brooke took that day captured his entire range of emotions. There's a photograph of him being funny, joking, which was part of his personality. <clears throat> then there was another photograph of him smiling that showed his not hum humorous side, but his just joy, his happiness. Then there was a photograph of him with that, that showed that he was just worn out, that he was just tired of fighting. His body was done. It was giving up. Then there was a photograph of him kissing my grandmother that showed his love, his loving side for his wife that he spent his entire life with. And then there was a photograph of him sitting upright, and it showed his dignity. All The entire range of his personality was captured in those photographs. All in one, like, one hour period. I was like, holy smokes, that is profound. I don't know why I thought that was so profound. But as I thought through this, I thought this is the first time I'm looking at these photographs. And I had the realization that I don't know how to grieve I don't know how to. Ever since I grew up, I have not ever stopped long enough to grieve the loss of anything. Never have. And so, uh, I don't think that that's very good. Um, because it ends up slapping me in the face like 
long down the road. And, and then I don't even know what to do with it. Um, I, I had a similar thing when I lost my cousin Jake that I grew up with. He was killed by a drunk driver. And, you know, I was active duty. I didn't grieve his death. And then, you know, two years down the road, I found myself driving in my truck down the road just crying about losing him. So that's weird. So what is this grief thing? I want to know what you guys know about grief. <clears throat> what, is, what, 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 what's your, uh, have, you, have you guys ever lost anyone or, or had some tragedy or something? And like, do you intentionally take time to go through the implications of that loss and understand it and reflect upon it? Or do you do like I do and just keep going on with life and act like nothing ever happened? Anybody got anything on this? I think one thing you mentioned as you started talking, one of the first things you said was, I didn't make time for it. I have time to grieve. And I think that's a very common experience for people is to not have time, especially the world we live in today where we don't have time to just sit and think long thoughts or let things wash over us and sit in things. And, um, and it, then if we do start to feel it, we immediately want to create a distraction or find a distraction to escape from having to feel those feelings. And so I think naturally in life, we either don't want to make time or don't have time to, allow ourselves to go there. Um, so I think that's one common experience for people. Um, but if you allow those feelings to come and allow yourself to feel the loss uh, and grieve, then it can, it can be a very powerful, scary, um, disruptive, but also if you allow yourself to do that and let those feelings wash over you, it can be a very therapeutic healing process and it's it's not a one-time thing it's not a I, I grieved this I'm done it's over move on I know my own experience with things I have grieved or am grieving you know it'll it'll come at unexpected moments like you said driving down the road just random just all of a sudden just start crying and it's not something that I can always plan um like I said, it doesn't just happen once, but it'll it'll pop back up and pop back up. But um, over time, I think that process heals. And so, um, yeah, but I think it's very important because it doesn't go away. Those feelings are there. They don't, they don't just mm -hmm. disappear. <laughs> they're just buried and they're hidden and it'll come out sideways in other ways. And you've got to allow yourself, if not intentionally, make time to, to, to experience that. So, yeah. I, I, and I think this is one thing that, so we at 307 Project, we believe in, you know, doing everything that we have control over to com complete ourselves as much as we possibly can and be the most well-rounded, uh, shaped, uh, servant of Christ, human being, uh, member of community that we can. You know, I have a lot of work to do. 
I have a lot of me personally. I I have a lot of work to do. Like there are so many aspects of my life that that are incomplete, and you know I I'm just I'm just now in my life beginning to unpack the just maybe even just scratch the surface of the many different layers of what causes so much dysfunction in the way my own mind works. Um, you know, for me, one big thing that I think ties to this, not knowing how to grieve and never grieving, is uh, from a relational standpoint, me personally, I am really, really deficient in my ability to manage a relationship with another human being. I mean, I mean, just a friendship, just a, just a, what would seemingly be an intuitive thing for another human to be able to just manage a healthy, easy relationship. I choose not to do that. I think part of the reason I choose not to do that is because I want to avoid any potential of me hurting that person that I have somehow built a bond or relationship with. Um, I want to avoid that. I, I don't. I don't want to have to. I don't want there to have to be any grief uh, uh, caused by, uh, you know, a fracture in a relationship or something. So I just totally avoid relationships with people. I, I, I don't an, I don't answer my phone. No one calls me. I, I have a few f- friends in life it, and it's Blake and Chili and Krista. And it's like, you know, it's like I, I do life with people I have to do life with and I don't want to let anybody else in because I don't want to I don't want to put myself in the possible scenario that there's anything even if something happens to them i don't want to have to grieve that if something's happening in their personal life i don't want to have to grieve that with them because i don't know how to the irony of that is the very thing that we try often in this i speaking to myself too the very thing i often desire and and want to create i end up doing the opposite so for instance if i want my effort to make a, a good relationship or not hurt anybody is to, you know, withhold emotion or withhold vulnerability then so that there's no conflict. I actually end up creating conflict and creating a bad relationship. The thing I'm trying to create is a good relationship, but in doing that my way or this wrong way, um, I end up creating a bad relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, yeah, so often I think I'm doing something good by avoiding certain things or, um, you know, operating in certain ways, but that's the very thing that I'm, I'm, I'm actually hurting what I, what I desire. I'm not getting it. So, yeah. And, and grief requires vulnerability. And I think that's a huge thing for people and not feeling emotion, allowing themselves to feel emotion or express emotion or go there fully. Um, one thing people are trying to avoid really is just being vulnerable, feeling weak, appearing weak, um, and, and that in the end hurts that person and hurts the people around them. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know that I would say you, you don't know how to grieve or you, you've never done it because you, you literally have to. And to say you don't know how, like there's no right way to grieve. 
everybody's going to do it differently. And so maybe for you, it is putting it off and feeling it later on. And maybe that's part of who you are to everyone else is weak in the situation. And you feel like, well, I need to be strong right here, right now for these people. And I'll deal with this later on. I don't, I mean, someone with more sense may argue with me and say that's right or wrong, but I don't think anything like that you can say know how to do it. Like know how to do something is like know how to lay a brick wall. I, I think, but I think that if I allow myself to be more genuine in times of loss, that I would actually be stronger for people that I needed to be strong for. Okay, if that I don't know if that makes any sense, but I can play it out in my own head. Um, well, only you know that. I mean, it's it's up to you. But I would say maybe what you're saying is you think you could grieve in a better way than how you have been grieving. I, I is just, that what I, you're getting at? I, well, I, I just don't do it. I just distract, get distracted by whatever the next thing is, um, because that's the way that's that's been the design of my life. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to see what the Bible has to say about grieving because I know the Jewish people have a tradition, and I don't know if it's biblical or not, but if they lose a close uh, family member, like a mother or a father, there's actually a period of time that that they set aside, and it's, it's a substantial amount of time. It's like a month where they, they don't even leave, I don't even think they leave their house, where they take that time block and set it aside intentionally um, to grieve in whatever way, process that loss in whatever way they need to. I think it's about setting aside intentionally some time and not just moving on to whatever the next thing is and acting like nothing's, nothing has happened. So I'd be interested to see if that's a biblical principle or not. Uh, surely the Bible says something on this topic. Um, I just haven't done the research on it. Um, okay, going on moving through my thought process yesterday, after I realized I, uh, I, I saw that full range of emotion in those photographs for the first time in a year, why it took me that long, I don't know. And then realizing, well, I don't grieve anything, any loss. And then it bites me in the butt. And then I got to thinking. Um, I got to thinking. You know, and this is going to be something for all you guys who are parents or grandparents, okay? I don't treasure ma many material things in life. Like, I'm, I don't get attached to material things in life. And I got to thinking, what would be something that I would really treasure in life? And I thought, you know what, man? If my grandfather would have taken the time, and he had the luxury to do this because of the way that he passed away, the way that he died, he had the luxury to do this. If he would have taken the time to just written a simple letter or, or a small book or, or something. It, I don't care how simple it is. But just to have written something that said, this is my life. These were the struggles. This is maybe how I overcame them, how I failed. These are the things I would have done more of. 
These are the things I would have done less of. This is my life. Doesn't have to be profound. Didn't have to be anything that matched up exactly. Me and my grandfather were totally different people. Uh, we didn't have a lot in common. Although I do see myself in him. Uh, I thought, if I had that document, like I would treasure that. That would be something that I could true. I personally would truly treasure in life, like priceless. And then I got to thinking, man, I need to do that. And then the very next thought was, well, Chad, nobody's going to want your letter. <laughs> I'm not going to have grandkids. I'm not going to have kids. If I have the luxury to write something like that at the end of my life, nobody's going to want it. Somebody might take it and read it. Nobody's going to treasure it like I would have treasured it if it would have been passed down from my grandfather. Blakely and JoJo might would take it and read it and think, oh, that's cool. Uncle Chad left me this little message here. They won't, they won't treasure it. Well, it depends uh, on the relationship that you nah, have throughout it, yeah, their life. Yeah, it, it does, but still, coming from their father, it's just different. Okay. And then I thought, what a gift it is to have the opportunity to be able to do that at the end of your life and hand it down to somebody who would truly treasure it. Because I don't have that gift. I just wanted to put that out there for all you guys that have children and grandchildren. You have a... It is a gift to have the opportunity to pass something down that simple that could potentially be the greatest treasure that your loved ones, your children, your grandchildren will ever possess. I agree that it is would be especially meaningful coming from parents or grandparents, but I agree with Blake that it, I think it does depend on relationships you've had. Because um, I know I've had people in my life who have been like uh, I have a one lady in particular who is like a mother to me I call her my spiritual mother and if she were to leave something to me like that um, it would be different but boy I would treasure it so I really do think it's depends a lot on the relationships you cultivate and how meaningful and deep those relationships are so I don't think it has to be limited to uh, children or grandchildren I think Blake's on to something with the quality of the relationship. So there might actually be hope for me? <laughs> well, depends on... You know, we started this conversation out where he was chastising Chili and I about sandbagging, supposedly, this. And here we see you can also sandbag other areas. So it depends on how much you want to sandbag the relationships, how much you want to sandbag this grieving thing and this spiritual and mental thing that you can sandbag other areas. Good and so point. Good point. You can sandbag physical and you say that, and I can sit here and look at you and say, you know, Chad knows these things about himself, but he's sandbagging. He's not doing anything mm. about it. Man. Hey, you're going to sandbag something. So we yeah. just choose to do it in the physical. You know? I'll, I'll take that chastisement. I'll take that on board. Well, it's just Thank something you. to consider. Thank you for that. 
you guys need to do the same thing when I chastise you. I'll take that on board. I appreciate that challenge. Um, what did Blakely call and ask you just the other day? I didn't tell her to call and ask you that. She asked me when she could spend the night. Yeah. Uh, so, I I was left I was left feeling pretty hopeless with that thought, but I'm glad you guys told me that there is some hope. You know, if you're a parent, think about what the what the crap you're doing. Like, you may not have the luxury like my grandfather had to die at home. No, you're dying and die at home. You may not have the luxury to take a pen and paper in your last few days and write that out. So, why would you not start that now? Like, just a simple journal. That, that you might write in once a month, but it be for the explicit, uh, like, use of this is what I'm handing down to my children. In, in case I get killed tomorrow, you know, in case I don't have the luxury to, to put all this down in my latter years when I know I'm dying. I just think it's the most one of the most profound things that you could leave for the people that you're spending your life raising up. I don't know. I've been asking myself a lot the last few weeks, what the crap am I doing? I've lost a little bit of vision, man. I don't know. I don't know why. I just keep asking myself, really? I mean, do you stop and ask your, does anybody else stop and ask themselves? Anybody listen to this? Have you stopped long enough to ask yourself, now what am I doing here? Like, what what is the vision here? This is, these days are waning. What am I doing? See, most people won't resonate with that because they live a life of perpetual distraction. And that keeps you from contemplating these issues that you're contemplating. It keeps you from asking yourself why you do what you do. It keeps yourself from asking the big questions of the universe, as we like to call them. Those are scary to people. It keeps you from self-introspection. keeps you from self-improvement. Um, it just keeps you locked into what's in front of you and... You try to be distracted by the next thing and the next thing, and that that keeps you not happy, but kind of in a comfortable place. And uh, often people seem miserable whenever they actually do face these daunting questions. Hmm. And um, I don't, I, <laughs> I don't know that you're, I don't know that that's misery. I think it's the questions that often people try to avoid are the very questions we should be asking ourselves. And yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's not a great, it, it didn't make anybody feel good. That's, That's the truth. But, um, I think if you've, if you go through life and you've never even contemplated any of those things, what have you really, what have you done? You've just wasted time. Well, it's almost what we talked about at some on the run this morning. Yeah. About 
how, you know, what do you do with your time? And a lot of people actually end up doing nothing with it. Well, people don't like to do that because they're like, oh, man, I'm that's miserable. That guy over there, he just thinks about what death means all the time and the nature of man. It's freaking miserable. What a weirdo. You're right. It's an uncomfortable thought. But it's, but it's like, but that person, and it's not that that person is doing the right thing because they're ever going to figure that stuff out. I mean, I'm not saying that some of those questions are impossible to answer, but they're certainly not likely. We've been debating them for thousands of years. I mean, I can't I can't say it's impossible, but boy, it ain't looking good. But there's something to contemplating it. And I think there's there's something negative about not. I don't know. Some people think maybe there's something too. The only way to be happy is to be distracted. That may be true, but I I think it's it's a fool's game to try to be happy. So but the ignorance is bliss. Kind of is that kind of the. I think. I mean. I think that's a that's a old mm. old wisdom. Old yeah. some old sage said that one time. <laughs> Uh, because ignorance really is bliss. It's nice. Yeah. You, what you don't know won't hurt you. That's that's true, man. What you don't think about, like somebody who gets all tore up about the threat of nuclear war. They're, I mean, they're they're worried to death about it. They're, they're buying those iodine pills and everything, like that's gonna help them, and they're just worried about it. They watch the news. What's What's is Putin going crazy? Is Kim Jong Un gonna fire a nuke? Have you ever thought about there's people in the world, maybe youths, but probably adults in different parts of the world that they don't freaking know that a nuclear weapon exists? <laughs> yeah. You think so? Do you think they're wor- <laughs> so? Do you think they're worried about it? No, man. Ignorance is bliss in a lot of ways, and it's the same way about the struggles that you have in your own, in your own mind. Like if you never consider your flaws and try to improve them, they ain't going to bother you. But I also think that's a really, really dangerous place. Cause I think some of those core questions, I think that's the bond that all humans share. That's the connection. That's the humanity in all of us. We have those questions that's written on our hearts. So I don't think you can be ignorant of it, but I think you can choose to push them away. And it feels good to do that, but I think you just uh, you live a real empty life doing that. Mm. Even, even though you seem happy, and I and and other people seem miserable. In a way, you become less human. I think when you ignore those things, you become less human, and it definitely is not a path to flourishing. So. In order to flourish, become more human, you have to move toward those things, to those uh, deep questions, those hard questions, the questions, like Chili said, that are common to all humanity. You know, it's not just Americans. It's not just people in this little corner of the world. Everybody on this earth, mm-hmm. everybody deals with grieving, deals with grief, deals with these things, um, deals with leaving a legacy to their the generations that are coming behind them. And so it is. It's common to all people. Mm. Also, Back to your question about grief. To me, it's the, the idea of trying to grieve is odd. Mm. And you speak of it as if you're trying to grieve. I've never, I've never sat down and, and said, yeah, I need to grieve this. 
I think Chile to clear that up. I think maybe that's the way. Probably is the way it sounded. I think for me, it's more or less intentionally setting aside some time to let whatever happens happen. If be it nothing happens, but being intentional about at least understanding there's a loss, and I'm going to set aside a little bit of time here for for me. Instead of intentionally distracting yourself? Yep. I, I think that's more or less what I think would be more healthy for me personally. I've never know. tried it. it I don't may know. Be, it may be absolutely pointless. I don't, I don't know. know. Whenever you, whenever I hear someone say, I don't know how to grieve, it, it almost sounds like if someone said, I don't know how to be angry, <sighs> or I don't know how to be sad, or yeah. I don't know how to, I'd be like, what do you mean you don't know how? You don't try to do those yeah. things. It just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like what you're saying is you're aware of things that are preventing you to grieve fully or grieve well, yeah. or and so you're you're trying to address the obstacles in the way that are preventing you from grieving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's um. And my- gr- grief, by the way, I you've used the word loss several times, and I think that's an interesting thing to, to note too because. I think often people associate grief with a loss like death, which is obviously, you know, that's true. Um, But grief can happen in lots of different ways, lots of different areas of life. Um, People can grieve over um, expectations that didn't get met, just any sort of loss, you know, or, or I know, you know, my parents are divorced. And so even as an adult, I still grieve that grieve things that aren't the way they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of things in life that aren't the way because, you know, as a believer, sin entered this world and I believe that and it's it's uh, twisted and marred and, and uh, corrupted every area of life. And so there are lots of things in life that aren't the way they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a loss. And so I find myself grieving lots of things, you know, on what seem to be small levels to, to great deep levels. And so I just, I guess I want the listeners to hear, you know, there, you, you probably have loss in your life that, that you may not even aware that in recognize or name it as a loss that needs to maybe you need to grieve it. And so, um, it doesn't have to be just something that seems huge, like a, like a death or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even that applies to to being able to uh, to share in the in the grief that other people mm-hmm. are experiencing uh, because of losses in their own lives, which is, I think we saw we we saw Christ in many examples grieving with other people for losses that they suffered in their lives, uh, and grieving deeply with them, feeling deeply impacted by the loss of another person in the the pain that they're experiencing in that moment and being able to, well, I don't know if empathy is the right word, but being able to partake in that and kind of be there with them in that moment uh, and share, you know, the emotion that, that comes with that. Um, you know, that I could only imagine that would be comforting with something that I just, I, I can't, I, I've never done. Uh we also failed to we also failed to do something that I always like to do when we have these conversations is define grief. Yeah, I was just thinking. I mean, and we've never really even 
I mean, and and I mean, there is a definition for words, but also it kind of like, what do we mean by it? Like to me, I I don't know. I I think I don't know. I don't know that I have a definition. Do you have one, Kristen? Off the top of my head, no. I yeah, mean, I, I mean, guess like, I'm what are we even talking like about here? Sorrow over uh, a feeling of sorrow over loss. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, I, I would say like pops. The grief I had or should have had would be when he was alive suffering. Like, that grieves me. When he dies, should almost be a relief. Like, man, now he he's not feeling that anymore. And, and maybe you have grief for yourself, sorrow for yourself that you miss him. But as a follower of Jesus, you should actually be happy about it, that he's in a better place. And any feeling of sadness or is all it's purely selfish i mean and that's fine i know people feel that and you can't stop it but i would grieve more over his suffering on earth in the position he was in than his death you know i mean maybe that's weird but but i I, think you can simultaneously have experienced more than one emotion i think you can experience grief and you can experience hope and the bible says that as Christians, we don't grieve, or you know, we grieve, but we have hope. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and so, I think those things can exist at the same time. Um, many people grieve, and they grieve, and they just feel sadness, and they feel despair with the grief. And and some people can experience grief, but also hope, a yeah. feeling of hope. My, uh, I think for me, it's it's much different than a feeling of sadness. Like when I talk about this word grief i think i was grieving yesterday when looking at those photographs and the grief for me would be more summed up in um reflecting upon my grandfather's many his dignity he was a very dignified man you never saw him when his hair wasn't done you know, nice. He he had nice clothes on. You didn't see him amble out of the bedroom in his pajamas. He was always held himself upright and firm. He was dignified in his his appearance, and then and then just really like absorbing the and reflecting upon the the different aspects and uh, of his personality and his humor and and what he had done and with his life and and even the mistakes that he made and and all these things and just reflect is for me i would sum it up more in of like a rift a period of reflection on this person whom was important in my life Mm -hmm. making time for that so it's some sort of a process yeah, I guess. I, I mean, guess. Because, like, I think that's what you feel. It's some sort of a process that you often feel is left unfinished. Yes. In your own self. Because, I mean, when you're sitting here talking about him now, I have two questions. Did you talk about him like this? Have you done that until now? Because it sounds, I mean, it's like you're grieving now. Yeah, no. You know uh, what I'm saying? I mean, it's like this This. This podcast was a part of the grieving process. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you know, this is my own personal uh, therapy session, right? Well, I mean, if there's something to that, then like, yeah, I mean, you could have this sooner, I guess, you know, and then you'd feel better about it. But I, I don't know that, I, I feel like you think you're doing something wrong and there's something wrong about your process and 
it, it happening two years later when you're driving down the road and all this. It's like, I mean, I, I, Blake said this earlier now that I think about it. Maybe that's, I mean, maybe not the right thing, but maybe that's how you, uh, the way you do it. And it's not wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why. I don't, it, unless, unless you have something in your, do you have what you think is the right way to do it? Because I don't. No. So who's to say you're doing it wrong? You don't feel good about it, I guess, but I don't think it's wrong. I'm just a screwed up guy, man. You got <laughs> I think grief and man, you just have to come to terms with whatever happened, with whatever you're grieving, you know. And uh, that's not easy to do, and it certainly may not happen in a one month period after the right after it happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you guys <clears throat> stepping up in this podcast and laying down some sound wisdom. Yeah, man. Chili, you're right, man. These core questions. Now, I got a lot of them in my own mind worked out. Talk about those core questions. Where did you come from? If you haven't asked yourself that, where did you come from? How the freaking crap did, this, did you get here? If you haven't considered that, and really try to find the most logical answer. It's worth your time considering where we all came from. Uh, what are you supposed to be doing while you're here? I think that's where I'm hung up at. When I say, I ask myself, what the crap am I doing? I'm do I do a lot of stuff. But no, what am I doing? Yeah. Okay. That's a question. How are we supposed to live? I think that's tied up into that. Similarly, what are you doing? Okay. And uh, where the crap are you going when you leave here? Because you're leaving here soon. <laughs> if, you, if you hadn't spent some time. 100% of people do. If you hadn't spent some time. Trying to answer that question. And it takes time. These are not easy questions. No. But some, you know, here's another thing some people do is they'll come up with an answer for those questions that essentially satisfies them, at least for temporarily. Mm -hmm. Pacify. And it's and it's it's really just it's really just a piss poor answer. <laughs> and and there's also something to be said for relentless scrutiny of your own yes answers to those questions of like you know if you're going through life and you're like yeah man i figured that out i figured out what i'm doing and everything to me that's almost like oh i got it all figured out i'm doing it perfect i couldn't improve and i just i don't think anybody is in that position so you should keep asking that question yeah but you don't like to man it, it, you're like, well, then I have to change something. And nobody wants to talk. Like, if you ask somebody these questions, they look at you like you have three heads. They're like, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the freaking football game that's coming on yeah. this weekend. I don't want to talk about that. Any Good Lord, anything else. Let's talk about anything else. The weather, anything. Yeah. But you're like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, but I'd kind of like to talk about 
what's what 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 am I doing? And yeah. uh, and if you don't want to talk about it, I'll just keep thinking about it in my own head. Then, but, yeah. I mean, I think I could benefit both of us. Maybe if you know if if more dialogues like that happen. But alas, they never do. I think that relentless scrutiny of what you what you think you believe in and and relent that relentless search of these foundational questions of of humanity i think that scrutiny like you said chili and not just coming up with something to pacify your mind it is is important and, and i think it is something that will that can and should last the duration of your life yeah. because you know i have a solid I personally have a solid foundation of faith based in my my own experience and based in what I believe to be logic. But, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And I'm I'm reading the book because I'm interested in in what does legitimate science and evidence point to? Uh, in the foundational questions, uh, even the foundation of where did you come from? Like, um, this book may, this book is unbelievable. But when I finish with this book, I've had this idea on YouTube, actually. I would really, genuinely, like to find a, a devout atheist. I'll have a creationist versus I would like to find a, a a devout atheist like not some dumb smooth brain like somebody who has been on a relentless pursuit um to answer these questions and I would like to have a conversation with them get Bill Nye <laughs> I, I, I mean I, I'm serious <laughs> because these are the things that I love Thank goof that are that are that are hard to consider, but these are the things that I personally think about. And it's it's not because I don't have a solid foundation of faith. I just love considering these foundational questions of humanity. So I think that'd be a lot of fun. You like to debate? I I do. I, I do like I do like to debate. Uh and now this the main reason I, I w would like to do this is because the way that this book I'm reading is written, it is presenting some pretty irrefutable concepts that point to intelligent design, creation, uh, the the absolute ridiculousness of the theory of macroevolution and Darwinism. It's presenting some irrefutable evidence. But there's got to be somebody out there to re that, that has something to refute it. And I just want to hear that. It's This book is so convincing that I'm like, how? okay, I'm reading. How could you refute this? It's literally, the, it's literally like the laws of science and nature and creation are, are refuting the idea that the universe could have been eternal and that we all somehow life was spontaneously generated by a mismatch mix of chemicals and then everything that is 
evolved over billions of years from a single cell organism that somehow gained consciousness. Like, so I just want to debate because I want to hear, if you have something to refute this, I want to hear it because it sounds like you can't argue against this. I just think it'd be cool. Better brush up on your debate skills, man. <sighs> you know me, man. I'm just old redneck. <laughs> well, all right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the uh, episode today. If you did, share it with somebody. We would appreciate it. Enough said. <laughs>